Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Praise the Lord, and thank you for allowing me to share this time with you today. I give honor to my dear, dear friends, thankful that you have allowed me to share this time with you today. I bring to you the word of the Lord according to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 11 and verse number 6. Very familiar portion of scripture that says, but without faith it is impossible to please God. For him that come, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Having sought God and asked God for direction for this message, I come to you today to preach about the rewards of desperacy. Look closely tonight and you can see it in the eyes of a woman whose daughter was grievously vexed of a devil. Pay particular attention and you could recognize it in the trembling heart of Jairus as his daughter lay dying. If you carefully notice, you can pick it up in the voice of the blind man screaming beside the road as Jesus passes by. It won't take long to identify it in the wailing voices of Mary and Martha as they stand at the tomb of their brother Lazarus because while each story is different, there's one element that's common in each one of them. Somewhere in each story there is an overwhelming desperacy. And while every soul listening to me today may sincerely love God, it's my task to remind you that it's altogether common in the midst of our blessings to learn how to live for God in a casual way. Within the sanctity of our humanity is the debilitating tendency to find a comfortable place in the spirit world where we become at ease with an inferior level of commitment. I've been there and you've been there and we all know how to find that comfortable level of commitment in our lives. It's that spiritual middle ground where we find ourselves thinking it's comfortable here. There's not too much sacrifice and there's not too much carnality. There's not an uncomfortable level of convictions and neither is there an uncomfortable level of worldliness that makes me feel out of place. There isn't a pressing amount of praying, but there also is an oppressing amount of needs. It's that comfort level that all of us naturally gravitate to. Yet how many times have I seen individuals who were jarred awake from that comfort level in very unexpected ways. Every soul can be assured that there will be times in our life that harsh events are going to give us an unwelcome wake-up call. Have I seen it? Absolutely, more times than I care to remember. 
I've seen it in the eyes of those who remain when a loved one is being torn away by death. I've recognized it in the trembling hands of a parent reaching out to touch the lifeless body of a child that they themselves brought into the world. I picked it up in the voice of a spouse whose family problems left an empty place at the table where the other spouse used to sit. I've identified it quickly in the wailing voice of somebody crying out on a telephone, Brother White, it's bad. Get to a hospital fast, you see. It's that old familiar voice of desperation that shakes us from our comfort and demands that we see our need for God again. It's desperacy that has a way of renewing our spiritual awareness. Desperation has a way of changing prayer from being a chore to being a channel of hope. Desperation has a way of changing devotion from being inconvenient to being inescapable. Desperation has a way of changing fasting from being detested to being desirable. As sad as it may be, I feel very comfortable today telling those who would listen to this broadcast, if the altars in our churches had a voice, you'd find that the prayers made in the good times don't compare to the prayers made in times of desperacy. If the walls of my office could talk, you'd find that those who were seldom moved by the preaching can easily pour out their hearts in the times that desperacy comes. I come from the unique position of having served in ministry for over two-thirds of my life. But that just means that I've seen and I've heard enough desperacy to feel untold broken-hearted autobiographies and painful compositions of confusion. Let me talk to you about desperation. Desperation means you're running out of options and time. Jairus' daughter had run out of both. It means that you have a dire need in front of you demanding an answer. Lazarus tomb demanded answers that Mary and Martha didn't have. Desperation means that you're human and that you recognize your own limitations. The blind man's darkness proved every moment how limited he was. But I need everybody to listen very carefully to me because the greatest thing that I know about desperacy is that Desperacy has a twin sister named Desire. You find desperacy in your Bible and you're gonna find desire standing somewhere close by its side. 
That's why when I'm talking today about the hard situations like we're facing right now, it doesn't mean that I've come to speak to you about hopelessness. Too many times we see harsh times like we're in and we sit down in a mindset of hopelessness. But the difference in hopelessness and desperacy is that desperacy is eternally linked to desire. And desire makes the difference in every situation. Understand that desire is the difference in Job and Job's wife. She looked at him and said, curse God and die. But Job looked back at her and said, it may seem homeless, hopeless to you that Satan has taken away my comfort. But he wasn't able to take the desire out of my heart to seek God. Although he slay me, Job said, yet will I serve him. Desperation and desire is the difference in David and Saul. Saul sought his own glory and thought it hopeless to follow after God's ways. But David had a heart that said, one thing have I desired of the Lord and that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple for in the time of trouble he shall hide me in the secret of his tabernacle he's gonna hide me and set me up upon a rock and let me tell you what the difference in those that casually love God and those whose lives take on direction and ministry is it's a thing called plain old-fashioned desire those who claim to love God can generally be divided into two categories those who are content to just be in the church and those that are striving to be as his body and function as his body on the earth. I am persuaded that most of the time the only difference in those sitting idle in a pew and those being used of God, it has nothing to do with their talents. It has nothing to do with their ability. It's got everything to do with the depth of their desire. I come to you today and ask you, do you honestly think that God chooses certain people for a great work and he intends for others to be left idle in a 
pew. No, 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 no. Those idols, those that are idle in a pew haven't seen anything or heard anything that everybody else in that congregation hasn't seen and heard. The only difference is that God honors this driving force called desire that shows up when desperation causes a spiritual awakening in their heart. It moves them to a prayer room when hard times slam into them. Desire that refuses to sit silently when the adversary is attacking everything they love. Desire that will lead them to the lost even when our own lives are being inconvenienced. Ladies and gentlemen, my brothers and my sisters, it's desire that makes the difference. Don't ever be deceived into thinking that God is some kind of a respecter of persons who chooses to use some and leave others idle. I've come today to tell you the only difference in our saints is the depth of desire that individual has for God. Again, do you honestly think that God will choose just a few within a church and say that's it. You've reached your quota of doctrine sure devil chasing preachers or is the difference in those that have a real desire to pray, a real desire to commit themselves a real desire to study. Does God walk into an assembly like this or like yours and really choose just one prayer warrior and say that's enough. You can only have one vision seen prayer warrior in this church. No, no, no. The difference is plain, old-fashioned desire. Desire to strengthen a man of God. Desire to build up the church. Desire to overcome every devil that dares to stand in our way. Let me ask you right now in the midst of this pandemic that has disrupted our lives. What separates frustrated hearts from fulfilled spirits? It's desire that makes the difference. And desire is the twin sister of desperacy. What separates those existing on a pew and those thriving on a mission? Desire makes the difference and desire generally shows up when desperacy walks in. What separates the can't-do-it Christians from the overcoming Christians? Desire makes a difference and desire is going to follow your desperacy and we are in a world right now that is desperate for God that's desperate for the touch of God that's desperate for God to speak a word of comfort into their world God needs somebody that's listening to me today to know the difference between hopelessness and desperacy 
and the only difference is desire. Desire that outweighs your hard times. Desire that outshines your heartaches. Desire that outnumbers your inconveniences. I know a lot of people sitting in this desperate time facing frustrating circumstances, but in the shadow of that desperacy stands a thing called desire that God will look at and change your situation. That's why David said, one thing if I desired of the Lord, I'm gonna go seek for that. He said, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life because when trouble comes into my world, he's going to hide me. He's going to take me in and protect me. You hear me well today. That is the rewards of desperacy. There's something in the voice of desperacy that moves the very heart of God. It's like a mother that knows the difference in a cry of anger or frustration and a cry of desperation. You let that mother listen to a baby whine all day long. Ah, but when she hears a certain cry of desperation, something is gonna move that mother into action. And if trauma and tragedy, if pandemics and coronaviruses do one good thing in our lives, it shakes us until we're spiritually awake and makes us cry out with a level of desperacy that gets God's attention. Desperacy has a way of kindling a desire to seek his face. Desperacy has a way of birthing a desire to touch God Almighty. It's the rewards of desperacy. He knows how to reward those that are desperate. A woman came with an issue of blood crawling on her knees desperately to touch Jesus. But she found the rewards of her desperacy when Jesus said, daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. A blind man desperately cried out from his darkness, but he found the rewards of his desperacy when Jesus said, receive thy sight, thy faith have saved thee. A rich man was so desperate one day that he climbed a tree to catch a glimpse of Jesus and found the rewards of his desperacy when Jesus walks up to that tree and said, Zacchaeus, come down out of that tree because today I'm going to walk into your house. I need somebody out there that's quarantined, somebody who's frustrated, somebody who's looking at this pandemic and you don't know which way to turn when your heart gets desperate. You're going to have heart gets desperate. You're going to have a desire to see him. And Jesus ain't going to come to the church. He's not going to come to the prayer room. He's going to come to your house. And he's going to touch you. And it may even be tonight.
Sure, I know that we are in a unique position with this pandemic and this subsequent quarantine. Yes, our world is bordering on sheer desperacy right now. But what does God see when he looks at the church? Can he see a desperate soul that's seeking his face, knowing that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him? What does God see in your reaction to these dire situations? Can he see a desperate heart that's still reaching for him, knowing a renewed desire? Are the rewards of desperacy? What does God see when he looks at you sitting there in your homes right now? Does he see a self-consumed member of some religious organization? Or does God see somebody whose desperation has birthed desire for God's direction? God is a rewarder of our desperacy. And I close this today by telling you that God rewards desperacy when it becomes a desire that moves God into action on your behalf. Some of you listening to me tonight have slipped away from God. Some of you listening to me tonight are frustrated. Some of you listening to me today are still strong in the church, but doubts trying to attack your heart. Some of you may be sick and desperate for a healing. Some of you may be desperate for a miracle. Maybe you're desperate for deliverance, but I've got news for you. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If you're desperate tonight, desperate to be used of God, desperate because of a coronavirus, desperate to know where God wants your soul to belong, I'm asking you right now where you are, let God see your desire by lifting your hands and praying for the touch of God wherever you are this very moment. God bless you. Let God touch you. Let God change you. Let God move you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.